Hello, dear listeners. I want to tell you about a great podcast I've recently found and enjoyed. It's called Long Shot Leaders with Michael Stein. I like the edginess and the realism of the podcast. Stein interviews people who have overcome big-time obstacles to find success. He has top-notch guests, including Academy Award winners, ex-convicts, Holocaust survivors, sports heroes, you name it. Michael also has an interesting background. In fact, he's a bit of a renaissance man. He's an entrepreneur, a writer, an actor, a filmmaker, and a stand-up comedian. He puts all of this into the interview, including his heart and soul. So if you want to discover the secrets to why and how people do what they do, then listen in on your favorite podcast player by typing Long Shot Leaders with Michael Stein. Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have uh, Dr. Sandra Kaufman. She's the founder of the Kaufman Anti-Aging Institute, and we're going to talk about her work there. So, Sandra, thank you for coming. Oh, it is my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I see in my notes that you have uh, a protocol named after you, and again, you're into anti-aging. Tell me a bit about your background? How did you start thinking about aging and why? Excellent question. So presently, I'm an anesthesiologist. I'm actually a pediatric anesthesiologist. People always wonder what that has to do with longevity. And the answer is probably not much, with the exception that it is my job to know how drugs affect people and how people uh, are affected by drugs, pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics, that sort of thing. And I started getting interested in longevity as part of my own personal journey. I'm a bit of an athlete and adventurer. I'm a rock climber. I'm a mountain climber. And I decided when I was in my mid-40s that I really needed to do something to curb aging because uh, my my longevity on a mountain maybe wasn't going to be, go so well unless I figured this out. So I went back to my roots as a cell biologist. And I read and I read and I read and I synthesized the information. And I decided that your cells age in seven very specific categories. And so I created what I call the seven tenets of aging. And then I proceeded to look at all of the different molecular agents and supplements and adjuvants that can help in these categories. And I rated them and my own rating system to determine how how powerful they were, essentially. And I rated everything from zero to a three. So now every longevity agent that I use comes with its own seven-digit rating number, which makes aging uh, sort of an alf- a mathematical algorithm rather than something that you have to think about all the time. Well, what are the seven ways that you discovered that cells age? Uh, so it's seven broad categories, and and I'll try to make this more exciting uh, than it really is because it's pretty boring. But uh, tenet one is DNA alterations, and this has anything to do with telomere length, right? We want telomeres to be as long as possible, and of course, they shorten over time. Secondly is epigenetic modification uh, in this arena. Uh, the good news is that you can get your epigenetics uh, sort of measured now in physiologic clocks. So that's kind of a huge new thing in the last bunch of years. And then lastly, they talk about DNA stability because your DNA starts to fall apart a bit over time and we want to make sure it's as stable as possible. So that's tenant one. Tenant two has to do with your mitochondria and mitochondria are the powerhouses of your cell and they fail over time, mostly due to shortages 
of uh, nicotinamide, as well as free radical scavenging issues. And your body, of course, makes endogenous free radical scavengers, but uh, as you get older, you're not able to make as many or as much as you should. So well, you should be a victim of your own oxygen. That's all right. Before we move on, because there's going to be a lot of info at the seven, can we go over these first two? and then we'll Yeah, continue? sure. Okay. See, you talked about understanding your epigenetics, but as I understand, it's a very fluid thing, depending on what you're exposed to. How do people get their epigenetics looked at? What are, what are, what are the tests looking for? And how much variability is there? So that's an excellent question. It started with the Horvath clock, uh, maybe a decade ago, and he identified 373 areas of the DNA that either get hypo or hypermethylated over the course of time. And based on uh, that percentage, they could sort of pinpoint how old you were physiologically from an epigenetic point of view. Since he did that, there are more and more advances, and they tend to look at more and more specific areas of your DNA, as well as numbers of your DNA. And it's just, it's just looking at changing patterns over time. And you're correct. It is extremely fluid. Uh, the more bad things that you are exposed to, and I, and I use that word sort of tongue in cheek, right? All the things that your mom said were bad for you, Twinkies and smoking and pollution, all of those things are negative epigenetic modifiers. And all the things that generally are good for you, uh, green tea, resveratrol, exercise, low stress, those things tend to be positive epigenetic modifiers as reflected in a lower physiologic age when you look at these things. So with DNA damage, does, does it seem to follow a linear path? Does it seem to begin at a certain age? Does it slow down over time? Like what are some of the dynamics that you've discovered of it? So, so DNA damage, it's, it's interesting. It's the damage itself obviously increases over time. Uh, and if you look at one, any one particular cell, on average, you have 10 to the fifth DNA errors per cell per day. Could be a single strand break, a double strand break, a substitution. There are innumerable possibilities, but you have a ton of DNA damage. And the ways to deal with this is number one, try to protect your DNA. And we could talk about ways to do that. We want to decrease the damage by free radical scavenging, that sort of thing. Uh, and then we can actually increase the repair rates. You have four very specific DNA repair systems. And unfortunately, these fail over time. So as you get older, not only do you have more damage, you have less of an ability to repair this DNA. So I like to think about DNA in terms of sort of a multimodal, how am I going to fix it? Or how am I going to protect it sort of thing? Okay, and then for mitochondria, which you said was mechanism two, how many mitochondria on average do people have in their cells? Does anyone know? And what ooh, do you think is the reason that they, uh, ooh, excellent know, that they have problems? So interestingly, so mitochondria are extremely responsive to the energy needs of any one given cell. So lazy cells have few mitochondria and very busy cells have a ton. So like a muscle cell is very busy, probably has a couple thousand. Liver cells have a couple thousand. Red cells have none, which is sort of interesting. The most mitochondria are actually in oo sites. So there's actually a half a million in, in, a, in a follicle before it uh, breaks off to become a cell to become a person. So it just reflects how much energy is required by any one given cell. The mitochondria, of course, uses oxygen. Unfortunately, oxygen gets free radicalized over the course of time. And this causes problems because it sort of destroys things. It causes lipid peroxidation. So the cell membrane gets damaged, causes mitochondria to fail, breaks up DNA, causes all, all sorts of issues. And, and your mitochondria are pretty smart in that it makes its own secondary free radical scavenging systems, uh, but they fail over time. So these are these things that we know, so we can sort of augment as we get older. Okay, and then we'll continue on. So those were two of the mechanisms. What were uh, two more? Let's talk about okay, that. 
So category three, I call pathways. There are pathways that cause you to age and there are pathways that cause you not to age. And we want to make sure we get them turned off or turned on appropriately. And by pathway, I mean, it starts from the gene and then gets transcribed into proteins and then turns into actions around the body. So you have seven mammalian sirtuins. This is like the first big one. Sirtuins measure energy levels and nutrient levels in your body and dictate what to do. Sirtuins determine, for example, where you store fat as you get older. It determines how many endogenous free radicals you have. It determines your circadian rhythms. It uh, determines a whole lot of stuff. Unfortunately, all of your sirtuins turn off over time and we want to keep them turned on. AMP kinase is another pathway here. Uh, This is why starvation diets sort of help because it sort of measures energy uh, in the system. When you have low energy or low low calories to burn, it sort of puts your cell in a state of hibernation that increases longevity. Uh, The good news is we have lots of medications or adjuvants that can, they call it caloric restriction mimetics, fools your body into thinking that you have low calories activates the AMP kinase pathway and it promotes longevity. So that's kind of cool. And then the third one in this category is something called the mTOR pathway. And this is sort of backwards. This is the pathway that builds things. So when you're young, you want it to be really active. And then as you get older, you sort of want to turn it off a bit. And that's sort of driving the craze around rapamycin as a potential longevity agent. So that's uh, category three. I don't know if there's too much to ask in those. In those <laughs> I know, I know. There's, there's so many details in all of these. It's kind of crazy. Well, I mean, I don't know if anyone has any insight into why so far these five things happened, but let's continue with the last few and then, uh, you know, I'll kind of ask more questions surrounding seven. Sure. So four, um, well, isn't one we talked about DNA in terms of telomeres and epigenetic modification. Four, I call quality control. These are all of your repair mechanisms and your recycling systems. So the DNA repair systems are in this category protein repair mechanisms go into this category, as well as something called autophagy, which is cellular recycling of the pieces and parts that don't work. And it's been shown that if you can increase your amount of autophagy, your cells do better over the course of time. And the good news is that we have recently discovered extremely good um, autophagy activators. So that's kind of really cool. So that's category four. Five is what I call your security system. And this is basically your inflammatory system and it's your immune system because your immune system keeps you nice and safe and healthy when you're young. And as you get older, not only does it not work in terms of keeping you safe from infection, uh, it also turns on you and you become systemically inflamed. So as we get older, one of the things we absolutely have to watch out for is uh, lowering our inflammatory factors and then keeping our immune system intact so we don't get sick. And this is why uh, a lot of the people that sort of fell to COVID uh, fell to COVID because they were older uh, and they had less ability to sort of block uh, the or to rev up their immune systems. Let's see, that's five. Six six is a category that I call individual cell requirements because the other categories, I like to pretend that all cells are the same, but in this category, they're clearly not. So in this category, I throw senescent cells, which are things we want to get rid of, stem cells that we clearly want to keep. And then the recognition that like a bone cell requires something different than a red cell versus a brain cell. So this is just a very specific to cell category. And then lastly, and then you can ask me whatever you want, uh, I call it waste management. Uh, In this category, it's all the the glycation issues. Everyone knows that glucose is not so great for you. Uh, And it sort of step-by-step sort of explains 
why glucose isn't so great for you. And then of course, how to get rid of the glycation effects around your body. And then the other thing in this waste category is lipofusion accumulation. As cells get older and they're stagnant, they accumulate this sort of pseudocellular gunk and it uh, prohibits cells from functioning uh, as normally as they can. Anyway, so that's essentially in a ridiculously more complex nutshell than you really wanted uh, why we age. Hello, dear listeners. I want to tell you about a great podcast I've recently found and enjoyed. It's called Long Shot Leaders with Michael Stein. I like the edginess and the realism of the podcast. Stein interviews people who have overcome big-time obstacles to find success. He has top-notch guests, including Academy Award winners, ex-convicts, Holocaust survivors, sports heroes, you name it. Michael also has an interesting background. In fact, he's a bit of a renaissance man. He's an entrepreneur, a writer, an actor, a filmmaker, and a stand-up comedian. He puts all of this into the interview, including his heart and soul. So if you want to discover the secrets to why and how people do what they do, then listen in on your favorite podcast player by typing Long Shot Leaders with Michael Stein. What are some of the effects associated with aging, but why we age? Is anyone looking at that question or they're just well, studying it, the biochemical pathways? Well, so the thing, I mean, the, the answer is if you look at each of these individual things, they, they each contribute in their, in your, in their own little way to the aging process. So for example, if you look at mitochondria, um, one of the things that's missing in mitochondria over the course of time is, is nicotinamide deficiency. Most people over the age of 40 have a nicotinamide deficiency because the requirement goes up and the intake goes down. Right. So as your nicotinamide fails and your your cell can't make as much energy, then the cell can't do what it's supposed to do. Right. So then you get a decrease in protein production, for example. Right. Which then leads to organ failure, which then leads to systemic failure, which then leads to disease and aging. So it's all contributory. These are just the very basic subunits of where it starts. Yeah, right. But why, why, for instance, would telomere shorten? Why would a mitochondria? Oh, it's, well, that's very, these, you know, what, what comes first in your mind that then disrupts oh, well, the other know, it's, No, it's, it's, it's pretty, telomere shortening is extremely straightforward. Every time a cell divides based on how the system does it, you lose a few base pairs. It's just, it's just the way that the me- mechanisms of the translational system work. And once upon a time, I mean, it's called the Hayflick limit, right? A cell can only divide so many times because each time it divides, it loses little chunks and then it stops. Uh, very specific cells in your body have an enzyme called telomerase, and it increases, sort of turns things around and increases the number of telomeres you have. But it's only in a few isolated cells. And people right now are working on ways to increase that enzyme to reverse the loss. Uh, the other reason that telomeres get shorter is inflammatory issues. We know that uh, inflammation causes the DNA, DNA damage, which decreases telomere length. Uh, we, just, we just know that it happens over the course of time. We know that epigenetics happens over the course of time because we're exposed to negative environments for you know, 50, 60, 70 years. So if you boil everything down to the cell, you can sort of trace what happens in the long run. Well, I just wonder again, what, what comes first? What comes next? What comes next? Is there an order of these seven that you've discerned or... No, I, I think it's all, all come at once and, and increase I, I, in intensity. Yeah, no, I, th- I think they all do come at once. I separate them so that they're easy to understand or easier to understand. But in essence, they're all interrelated. Uh, so, for example, let's uh, focusing on your mitochondria. Uh, sirtuin number three is in your 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 mitochondria. 
Okay. So, so let's say your mitochondria isn't making a whole lot of energy. So the sirtuins don't get activated. So then that mitochondria then can't do other things that it's supposed to do, right? Nicotin, nicotin, it's all very interrelated. Nicotinamide is a necessary cofactor for your sirtuins, right? Otherwise they, they, they don't work. So when you are short of nicotinamide, your sirtuins don't work, your mitochondria doesn't work, your cell goes into a tailspin because it doesn't have any energy and it has no backup reserve to fix it. So then it shuts down that mitochondria and tries to make a new one, which it may or may not have to do because of the course of time, you are also suffering from like micronutrient deficiency. So it's all extremely interrelated. And if you were to draw a picture between all of these things, it would look like a psycho Venn diagram with millions of arrows going in millions of directions. But for instance, in that case, I mean, people may be deficient in micronutrients at various ages, but why does it seem like when they're older, then it's a problem. They're, they're aging maybe faster and now they're aging, but when they're younger, I mean, do we see that? Do you know if this, if this is the reason that anyone will age at any age and age faster than they normally will age, or does it only affect older people? And if so, why? So what's interesting is there are diseases where people prematurely age. And we have broken down those systems to figure it out, right? There's some progeria diseases where people that are, you know, eight, nine, 10, they look like they're 90. And those suffer from DNA repair mechanism deficiencies, right? They have the same number of DNA errors. They can't fix them. So they age exponentially, right? Uh, the other thing to look at is like diabetes, over the course of time, glucose affects you negatively. And we all live on glucose because we have to. They just have higher glucose levels. So over the course of time, they become glycated just much more quickly than all of us. So they're going to have nerve damage, brain issues, kidney failure, all of that sort of thing. It just happens more quickly in them. But if you sort of scroll back, we're going to have the same, or non-diabetics are going to have the same diabetic issues. It's just going to be 40 years later. Because glucose continues to build up over time unless you do things to eradicate it. So is anti-aging essentially better self-care using these, these seven items that you've discovered? Uh, How yeah. is you encapsulated? So, so, so the answer is sort of, right? You want to figure out who you are, uh, which categories are worse for you than anything else, right? If you're completely healthy, you want to address all of the seven categories if you have one problem that's more specific than another. So for example, a lot of women have a lot of inflammatory issues. So we aim toward therapies that sort of help that over anything else. But if you truly want to decelerate age as much as possible, and I'm not saying you can reverse it, but if you want to decelerate it as much as possible, you want to address each of these issues as completely as you can. Why would someone be able to, I understand how you get decelerated, but why couldn't it be reversed or even halted? Has anyone looked deeply enough to see, is it possible to even do that? Well, it depends on, on who you asked. I will tell you that there are some people that are out there that, that think that you will be able to. Um, I don't think we're there yet. I think right now, maximum lifespan is going to be about 120, 130. Uh, if you decelerate things early enough in your life, some people think you can reverse it. I don't, I don't know if you can at this point. It'd be pretty darn complex to reverse all of these things. Right. But you can slow them down significantly. But there's never been an organism that never dies other than trees, as far as we know. Well, could you do a, uh, you know, a series of testing to, like you said, you assign scores to these things. So I would guess people get a, a score, you know, seven different scores and maybe they're overall with degrees of issue on each of these. And then you can do a customized plan to attack the problems you're having. Right. 
Well, that's exactly what I do. Uh, in fact, I've done three of them today. Uh, we go through people's, you know, their, their medical backgrounds. How old are they? What issues do they have? You know, specifically, what aging issues do people have? Do they have lower back pain? Do their knees hurt? Do they, is their vision suffering? Uh, what medical problems do they have? What medications do they have? What family history? A family history is a reflection of what may or may not happen down the road to them, right? If it's in their genetic code. So I do this by the number system. I design systems to decelerate their aging and disease process as much as possible. And sometimes it's not even aging necessarily. It's just deferring the onset of disease. So what are some uh, experiences that clients have had? You know, I know no names or anything, but what are some case studies maybe? Oh my gosh, I get, what's interesting is I don't actually have a real clinic. People find me sort of by default, listening to podcasts, following my protocol. I get probably two or three amazing emails a week. I want to say the last one was a 70 some year old guy who, you know, was close to death. He had gotten COVID and a variety of other things. He was in hospice. I mean, he really thought they thought he was going to die. And he started my protocol and within two months was back at the gym. And then like a month later, he's like starting to run marathons. So it's just true. I mean, I've never met the man, but I hear these stories and they're just unbelievable. I've had people lose, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds. I've had people go from being wheelchair bound from aches and pains to being extremely active members of society. The stories are just phenomenal. So what, what are some of the key reasons why people are having such success? Can, you know, have you been able to identify, again, one of the seven mechanisms or is it that you're taking care of all seven? Or, you know, why does I, think work? I think it's cumulative. I, you know, it's, it's a matter of, for example, if your sirtuins are not working and that affects your circadian rhythms, so you're not sleeping. If you're sleep deprived, you, uh, you know, 10 to 15% of your proteins are necessary are made at night. So if you're not sleeping, then your, your proteins are, are not good. Uh, and actually not sleeping at night increases your risk of cancer. So if you start someone on a sirtuin program and then add the nicotinamide because they're short, their energy levels go up, they sleep better, uh, their fat goes away, and then they feel like 100% better. And that's just two easy things. Uh, in fact, knowing this, there's actually a product out there called Basis, and all it is is nicotinamide and pterostilbene, which is one of the, the good sirtuin activators. I mean, I would argue that's a fantastic start, but there are many other things you could do because it doesn't address the other seven reasons or the other five reasons that you're aging. But people just are doing better, and people need to know that this isn't wackadoodle. It's all it's science-driven, and it works. Yeah, I know, I'm sure it is. So. In addition to these two protocols, you know, how do you tend to counsel people? Let's say someone is just, you know, they, they probably need everything when they need to really get after it. Like, what, what would you counsel someone that is in that way? What would you tell them to do? Well, so the first thing they need to do is figure out how committed they want to be, right? If this is not a magic wand. This takes commitment. It takes time and it takes, you know, a bit of money too. It's, it, this stuff isn't free. They really have to sit down and figure out what they want to fix, how aggressively they're going to fix it. People can either figure it out on their own. My first book, I mean, it's all, it's sort of algorithm based. So people really do a, a darn good job of figuring out how to do it, or they can reach out to me. I answer all emails myself and I help people figure out their programs. Um, I don't make a dime out of any of it. I mean, if someone has a really complex history and it's going to take me a boatload of time, I may charge them a little something. But generally speaking, I try to help people along because 
it's just better for society, right? If I can make people feel better and do better, then we all win. Okay, well, very good. Uh, Samuel, what's the best way for people to find out about your protocol? Where can they go? So uh, I'm not very creative in terms of advertising. So my website is called kaufmanprotocol.com. My book is called The Kaufman Protocol. Book two is 95% done. It is being illustrated at the moment. So hopefully that'll be out by Christmas. First book tells you sort of more details about why you age and then the top 15 agents at that time. Book two has about 30 more agents. So it's sort of like an encyclopedia of choices as to how to best develop uh, your own protocol because obviously everyone's different. Oh, and how do you spell Kaufman? K-A-U-F as in Frank, M-A-N-N. Okay, so there's one F, right? Yep, one F and two Ns. Okay, well, very good. Well, Sandra, it's been an interesting call and uh, I hope the reports that you're 300 years old are, are true. Call me in 100 years and we'll see how we're doing. Very good. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. My, my absolute pleasure. Take care of yourself. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.